this actually is a very good thing for the investors because we're having better companies coming in from the IPO system that we can really worry a bit less uh, by reading all these materials and we have more confidence about the reality of these materials compared with before. But you can't produce a sustained long-term and major one unless the situation profits is going up. China stock market is a very good buy, variation is low, but in any market there are winners and losers, just be very careful about selecting the good stocks and stick with them. And uh, at this level of variation, there should be a, a very good uh, long-term play. The Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Welcome to the Chat Lounge. I'm Tu Yun, joining our discussion on the outlook for China's stock market this year are John Ross, Senior Fellow at the Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies, Renmin University of China, Dr. Zhang Gong, Professor of Economics, University of International Business and Economics, and Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer of Beijing-based Novan Market Technologies. Great pleasure to have you back on the show, gentlemen. So China's securities regulator is stepping up supervision over the country's stock market, which had a roller coaster ride in the past year. And at least 49 companies have shut down plans for initial public offerings on the mainland stock exchanges. That's compared with um, 29 withdrawals during the same period a year ago. So let me begin with Jaha. What do such withdrawals mean for investors um, like you? Good news or bad news? Well, it's definitely something good because the reason that some IPO companies has withdrawn their IPO application is basically because the security regulatory committee, the CSRC, is doing a better and better job. So now companies who is putting application for the IPO, if they have been found fraud with any of their financial statements, uh, fraud with the materials that they provided, which happened occasionally in the past, that the managers and the CEOs and the shareholders will be, you know, will will be charged with the the, the guilty and they have to pay the price for these kind of frauds that they make. So co- some companies just withdraw them, the materials. And so this actually is a very good thing for the investors because we're having better companies coming in from the IPO system uh, that we can you know, really worry a bit less uh, by reading all these materials. And we have more confidence about the reality of these materials compared with before. Mm, indeed. You yourself are an individual investor, right? I'm currently working as both an individual investor and a family office. Uh, our company is actually a family office that manages our own money. Of course, uh, on the other side, I'm an individual investor as well. So it's like managing both of the money. It's actually uh, the, the, the the company that I'm currently working at is basically the money from my partner. So his family actually offered him a large chunk of money. So this is basically a prevalent um, sentiment for both uh, institutional and uh, individual investors. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's uh, something works uh, more importantly for individual investors because institutional investors are more skilled with finding out which company is making a fraud or not. You know, they, they have more research analysts to, to go around a company. For example, when I was an investment bank before, if we try to research a company, what we would do is not just by reading its materials provided. Uh, for example, it said, okay, we've got clients in this country, in that city. We will send analysts to these cities and countries to talk to their clients and say, how do you feel? 
you about the product of this company. So in this case, we can double check the reality of these materials. But you can see this is a job that costs a lot of money and effort. You have to provide the travel cost, you have to pay the salary, all these kind of things. It's really costly. So, so many institutional investors can do this, but for individual investors, they really have no choice. They have to trust the materials. So a, a strict control on the IPO system is actually benefiting more for the individual investors compared with the institutional investors. Mm, good to know. And then to uh, Dr. Gon, um, the number of uh, IPO withdrawals so far this year is actually roughly some 70% more than that recorded a year ago. So what signal does it send out? It sends out a signal that the authority uh, is keeping a, a much tighter gate. In other words, it is schooling more. Uh, it is uh, turning away uh, companies that are probably not so much qualified. So I think it's a good thing for the market uh, in that, you know, the standard is raised, the bar is raised. Uh, so in order to be uh, publicly listed, the companies have to uh, meet a high expectation, higher standard. And the second thing I think is probably good news for the market is that um, is that in the past, uh, China stock market uh, has been inundated with uh, too many IPOs in the market. In other words, the, the competition for, um, for, for the funds uh, is, is actually pretty high. Um, such that it's probably crowding out uh, the funds getting into the uh, stocks that are already publicly listed. In other words, it's it's, it's just too much IPOs and too much funds sucked out of the market. So so I think you know from these two perspectives, probably it's good news for the market. And and I hope the authority will do a much better job in terms of screening more qualified companies uh, to be publicly listed, not just treating this as essentially an ATM machine for the new companies, so, you know, getting money from the market and, and don't worry too much about the consequences of that. It, it should be good news for the market. At, at least I think it has been already manifested in a fairly decent recovery uh, on the two stock exchanges here in China. You know, the Shanghai Stock Exchange, uh, stock, Shanghai Stock uh, Index has been coming back a little bit. Uh, now it's above 3,000 points. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a decent recovery in my view. Mm, it's a vivid uh, metaphor, uh, ATM machine. But you're saying um, it's probably a good thing. So does that mean there's some other possibility there? Well, I think, you know, if you think about what's the purpose of the uh, capital market, what's the purpose of IPO, right? Usually it's, you know, it serves as a function of providing more investment funds to, you know, promising companies, high-tech companies that have a future, uh, you know, provide essentially a platform for an exit um, venue for investors who have taken the risk to invest in these companies and that's a uh, you know justified reward for these investors uh, i think if the market is deviating away from this purpose and we have a problem here so that's why i, I use this metaphor you know, <laughs> not treating stock market as just atm machine um we, we, it has to be a, a mechanism that really rewards good companies uh, good investment so uh, so in that regard, I think uh, what the authority has been doing is in definitely in the right direction. I mean, it has been reported numerous times in the past that there's a fair amount of corruption uh, at the highest level of, at the um, uh, you know, regulatory authorities, uh, and that's problematic. So, so I think the fact that the new leadership at the, this authority uh, at least coming out and you know, hold meetings with investors to ask for their opinions, ask for their suggestions how to improve things, I think is a pretty good sign right now. And uh, John, is it something that you've ever seen in in the UK? Is is there any similar scenarios there? Well, yes, there can be, but the I see things from a slightly different angle. I, I'm I'm not a specialist in the shares. I'm a specialist in macro, macroeconomics. Right. And the two are not exactly are not exactly the same. The, the way I would put it is, the macroeconomic situation provides the overall framework. 
and companies can't cheat this overall framework for any long period of time, but you can still fail, even if the macroeconomic conditions are favorable. But I think there's some, because the share market is determined by the situation of profits. But if you look at the situation, the widest measure of company profitability, which is for industrial companies, this is a question It doesn't deal with service, but nevertheless, in 2023, if you take total profits of industrial companies with a turnover of more than 20 million won, they fell by 8.5%. Now, that, that is the broadest measure of, of um, profitability. If you look at the number, if you take the same companies, because as there's a barrier of 20 million won, some companies drop in, some companies drop out, uh, et cetera, et cetera, this barrier. And if you take only the same companies, I prefer the broad measure because I think that the increase and decrease in, in revenues, startups, et cetera, should be included. But OK, if you want to take a stricter one. Well, it's still the case that profitability fell by industrial companies fell by 2.3% last year. Well, under conditions in which there is a decline in profit, there is no reason from a macroeconomic point of view to expect share prices to go up. So I think that the condition, the discussion in China, I'm, I'm a, overall a tremendous admirer of China's economic policy. But in this case, I think that all the discussions being taken place around consumption is hiding that the problem really is the situation of profitability of companies. And that's what's got to be addressed. And that explains many phenomena within the, the economy. One is the poor performance of the share market. And the second one is, for example, weak level of private investment. That's the issue. So from, I'm not going to get into the question of picking individual companies. That's not my speciality. But an, until measures are taken to turn around the situation of profitability of companies, and a bit of industrial companies, there isn't any particular reason why there should be a sustained increase in share prices. You can take individual measures, dealing with IPOs, dealing with um, some things, confidence-building measures, but they won't have a sustained effect until the profitability situation begins to improve. So what are you saying? You're saying this could be some, um, the rise on the market could be some um, short-term for the market. It can't be sustained. Yeah, you, you can certainly, by confidence-building measures, by technical measures, by dealing with IPOs, you can certainly produce short-term shift. Or whether you, there, there are cases where in which you can, and this may be one, one of them, in which you can produce short-term recoveries in the share market, but you can't produce a sustained long-term and major one unless the situation profits is going up. And at the present time, the problem is that if you take last year, although consumption was very good, profits fell. So why there's no reason from a macroeconomic point of view why you should expect share prices to go up if profits are falling. So therefore, that's it's the profitability situation you've got to turn around to get a sustained recovery in the share market. I think um, the authorities actually obviously um, have seen that, you know, what you've just mentioned, because the companies, they, they have to be with good profitability, right? Because they, their products being traded on the stock market. So um, in the short term, they are trying to get, like um, Jaho just mentioned, companies of good quality on the market instead of those with um, fraudulent records or, or listings. We are now focusing on the microeconomic point of view. You said you basically look at this uh, issue from a macroeconomic point of view, but you used to be, you know, uh, the de facto deputy mayor of uh, the city of London. So I, I suppose you're quite familiar with the situation on the stock market, you know, the trading issues like that. Yeah, certainly. And I used to, but more than that, before I did that, right? I, I, advised, in, I advised individual companies. Mm -hmm. So there, and what I know from that is, therefore, if I'm giving advice to individual companies, I need to know a lot about the company. 
and the industry and the business that it that's involved and that's what i know so i learn i learn not to talk about things which you don't have enough information about um, right. and i'm not in i'm not involved in china in studying the position of individual companies so i'm not going to give comments on that i'm going to give comment on the macroeconomic situation if i wanted to study an individual company i'd need a whole load of information and i need to work with it right. with some of the people on, what some of the people on your panel do but i'm not in not involved in that anymore yeah we're not talking about individual companies either we're focusing on the macro policies you know physical policies or other administrative policies but here we've seen authorities trying every means to increase the profitability of companies is obviously a long-term goal but in the short term they also have policy tools right like the, the lowering interest rates and or bank reserve requirement ratios and they're trying to restore investor confidence amid continuous uh, slides on the stock market but you know the stock market didn't recover steadily until a couple of weeks before the Spring Festival holiday, which um, came in um, early February, when the securities watchdog announced the new measures to, to curb market manipulation and um, malicious short selling. And um, at that time, the benchmark Shanghai Composite Index was below the critical psychological uh, 3,000 point level, contrary to what we had now. And for a time, it dropped to nearly 2,600 points, if I, my memory serves me correctly. So, Jaha, why didn't measures targeting increased market liquidity work as effectively as expected? Maybe this question also goes to John later. Jaha, would you? Well, currently, the stock market in China is where we have saw the rebound has been going on ever since the Spring Festival, you know. And if you look at the valuation of stocks in both the mainland and Hong Kong markets, you can see most of the companies, especially when we talk about large state-owned enterprises, their valuation is at the bottom. And this bottom is not one of the bottoms. It's probably, you can say, the bottom level. So it's it's really cheap and amazing valuation we can see in these markets. You know, the, the stock market has bull market has bear market just the circles around i mean you see this kind of thing goes on in every market in the world if you go to the united states we have bear market sometimes we have bull market sometimes so uh, and sometimes you, you just don't have any reason at all when you have either a bull market or a bear market which is very interesting if you've been in the long uh, market for long enough one of the most amazing thing that i ever remember is by, uh, at the time of 1987, which which was just the three years after I was born, so I definitely read this from the materials, you know, I didn't know nothing at that time, I was only three years old. <laughs> so the, the US market dropped by 27% in one single day without a reason at all. I mean, it's really nothing happened. And and the next day, the Hong Kong market was uh, was really scared because the US dropped by almost 30% the day before that. So the Hong Kong market on its opening dropped by 40% in one single day. So it, it, that's probably one of the biggest and the quickest bear markets that you have ever seen. You know, it's really amazing. Imagine that you lost almost half of your value in just one trading day and you look at the news, you found nothing. I mean, there's no world war breaking out. There's no president shot. It's really nothing happened. The stock market dropped by 40% in just one single day. So the Hong Kong Authority at that time just closed the market said, okay, investors are too crazy. They're out of their minds. So we closed the market for now. You guys have to calm down. And after a few days, the market is reopened and again, everybody just went back to normal and the stock price went went up again. And if you if you read the Hansen index from that time to now it increased by a very large chunk. So, so it, it really happens. I mean, if you look at the stock market, it's always a bear market and the bull market. And sometimes you just don't have any reason at all. Uh, but for investors like me, the, the most important thing for us to do is that we stay calm at all times. 
So at, at the time of the, you know, uh, when the stock market rose a lot and you see the valuation going to 50 times PE ratio and above, people say this is a hope for the future. You know, like, like the tech company in the US right now, they tell you that AI is going to revolutionize our society. Every penny of the profit will go to these AI companies in the future. And they give them like 100 or 200 times PE ratio. And, and that's the investor you become enough in the serial stakes. Uh, but at the time of the bear market, they say, okay, these companies are worth nothing. They give them like three or four times PE ratio. It's, it's a time for you to buy. So this is actually the profession of investors who stay calm at all times. This has been the Chat Lounge. When we come back, will China's stock market steadily go further up or down in the coming months this year? Sideline Story brings you all things sports-related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world. Welcome back to the Chat Lounge. We're talking about the outlook for China's stock market this year. Dr. Gon, do you agree with Jaha's opinion or do you have some different observation there? Well, um, no, I totally agree that stock market has up and downs. I mean, that's, that's, that's not surprising at all. I think... You know, if you look at the if you look at this from a fundamental perspective, I think the variations are certainly very attractive. Usually, they use the the price earning ratio, you know, as a means to uh, evaluate the value of a stock. And I think across the board, at this low level, the variation certainly is very attractive. But the problem is that the market is also by by sentiments, by market sentiment, by expectations of the future. And also by um, funds availability, you know, I, I suspect that a couple of things going on here, based on my belief and understanding of this. Uh, one thing certainly is that people are, you know, not so sanguine about the next uh, few months or related to companies' performance, earnings, which is ultimately driven by the performance of economy. Even though I think in 2023, you know, we had a fairly decent year with 5.2% growth. But moving forward, I guess the market is not expecting a sort of a outstanding year, I guess, for the rest of the year, you know, which might be reflected in corporate earnings. I mean, that's one thing. And the second thing I think uh, is probably, people don't talk about this much, but I, I think it's, it's indeed happening. Uh, now we have to keep in mind that there's a fair amount of uh, investment activities by foreign investors, you know, these uh, mutual funds in the United States and Europe, they are, you know, making some of the asset allocation here in China. And I think for the last few months, this chunk of money is probably going away from China. This also has a lot to do with the narrative that somehow the next China is not going to be the next China, and that China is increasingly become a not so much investable market, whether we're talking about FDI or the equity market or whatever you're talking about. In other words, the international market's appetite for investment in China is sort of fading away. And that's a narrative that's been quite popular on the market. And that's certainly not so much good for China's perspective. I mean, I guess John and I have been sort of advocating uh, quite, quite loudly that, no, that's not the case. China still remains to be a very investable market. You know, stuff like that. But I think, um, you know, I think our voices are sort of overwhelmed by uh, a lot of naysayers of China's economy. Uh, and I think it's indeed happening uh, to a large extent. In other words, I think one of the, not so much of a large pillars, but at least an important pillar of China's stock market, which is related to activities by foreign investors, are starting to be gradually chipping away 
And that's not a good thing. And I think, you know, in China, we have to do something really solid to win back the hearts of these international investors. In other words, the economy has to be performing well. Uh, the companies are delivering solid earnings, uh, the market expanding. And um, to some extent, the stock market has to uh, come back a little bit more. So, so I think, uh, you know, until these things happen, you know, the market here in China, I think, will be remaining uh, lukewarm kind of a situation. Obviously, it has a lot to do with the macroeconomic environment here in China. But if someone says um, that the Chinese economy is not doing that well, but the fact is uh, the country's economic growth hit 5.2%, which is obviously outperforming a lot of other regions like uh, the U.S. or Japan or I'm not sure about India, where the stock markets were faring very well over the past uh, year. Yeah, but, but the comparison is not made like that. I mean, comparison, the benchmark comparison is made against the expectation. In other words, yeah, you know, what, what has hollowed out of those? Oh, what has dampened in investor confidence? Why share prices rebounded after the authorities came up with some solid measures, cracking down on some quant hedge funds? trying to short-selling. I'll talk about the two things. Um, one about about expectation. I think um, it, it's it's more than just, uh, you know, China is having a 5.2% GDP growth, much better than the rest of the world. You know, many economies are not even close to 5.2%. I think investors are concerned about, you know, a broader picture here. The picture, you know, where China's demographics uh, trend is certainly going down, right? I mean, population is going down. It's, you know, the broader picture is about um, you know urbanization process is pretty much running out of steam. We're already reaching close to seventy percent of urbanization rate. It's also about you know a lot of uh, concerns about the geopolitical uncertainties, right? In other words, um, you know, in, in the in, in this world right now, you know, whether China is going to be uh, isolated, uh, you know, what are the impacts of these essentially sanction measures on high tech stuff uh, against China? And also, you know, whether many foreign companies will continue to remain. And I mean, the statistic from SAFE is clearly showing that, uh, you know, uh, uh, money is actually flowing out. So, so it's, a, it's a lot of these things, uh, not so much compared to the other countries, but compared to the things prior to the pandemic era, right, in 2019. I certainly I think right now there's a narrative that's changing here. Uh, and I think China is, uh, is, is fighting an uphill battle against this narrative uh, and the companies here in China, compared China, and we need to deliver something extraordinary against that narrative, right? So that's uh, probably, you know, something that's expected of or, or desired of, and, and I think it's yet to happen. That's the first thing. Second thing about, you know, these technical issues you just mentioned about regulatory uh, measures, policies to make the market more efficient, uh, you know, more regulatory oversight to root out these sort of uh, unscrupulous activities, stuff like that. I, you know, I think, um, you know, you look at the rebound at this point, I, you know, even from, uh, I know a little bit about technical analysis, and I think, uh, you know, you look at the, the charts, you know, let's just forget about our news and other other macro stuff. Just look at the price and volume charts uh, on the wall. Just look at this. In my view, you know, it's starting to emerge a, a bottom formation pattern here. So, so in my view, you know, the the bounce back from what is that, twenty seven hundred or twenty six hundred back to three thousand is it's very much a um, sort of a technical. Um, it took uh, only a few weeks. Yeah, it took uh-huh. only a few weeks right after I think the authorities introduced uh, some stringent measures days before uh, the Spring Festival holiday. So what has prompted that quick recovery? These policies are helpful, uh, but, but I think in addition to this, there's also 
this uh, you know innate market dynamics happening here, what I describe as technical analysis, uh, that the, the bottom forming pattern emerges in my view. Mm. But th- there's also this um, kind of opinion that uh, those measures have solidified the uh, investor confidence, uh, especially by rooting out, uh, not entirely root out, but punishing those vicious short sellers on the market. How, how true is that? Um, maybe Jiahe, you're quite familiar with the you know day to day trading. Well, if if you look at the market, the very interesting thing is that you know it falls well very seriously, and people were sort of scared, and the authority did many things, and people thought these actions are helpful, and it brought being brought back. The main reason behind this is not because all these actions has been taken effect uh, or in a sudden, but because it brought the confidence back. So the confidence is something that is much more important because, for example, when we look at uh, the short selling, currently the short selling in Asia market is still taking a very small percentage. I think that's less than one percent. So if you ban the short selling, which has been done, in fact, it's, it's not doing too much to the stock price if you look at the real trading. But the thing is that investors are happy and they see that, okay, authorities are really doing something. They're caring about us and they jump back into the market and started buying. So that's basically the confidence that's been brought back. Another thing is that the stock market will never go on dropping forever if the authority does nothing, uh, which is very interesting because when, when the bear market actually happens and you see the stock price being dropping by 3 or 5% every day and you think, okay, this is the end of the world. But will the stock price drop to nothing if, if we don't do anything, uh, just to take hypothesis, um, that if we don't do anything, the stock price will not keep on dropping forever because in that case, all the stock price will go to zero and you can buy a large chunk of the country's very best asset with no money at all. That's not going to happen in economics, which means even if the authority does nothing, uh, the stock price uh, after it's been dropping to enough extent when the valuation is cheap enough, uh, when the dividend yield is too high, and people will say, okay, we'd like to join in and the stock market will bounce back again. So you're but saying with what- you're saying the authorities shouldn't have intervened. No, no, that's, that's wrong. That's not, not what I actually meant. Uh, what I actually meant is that there are multiple forces behind the reason that the market rebounded. Even if the authority does not engage at all, the market will rebound after a while. I mean, finally, it will rebound. Uh, it will not drop forever. The other force is that once the authority steps in, the market will be rewarded earlier than this bottom. So that's because the authority, with all its actions, has brought the confidence back to all the investors and investors started buying completely compared with the natural bottom, which if the authority does not engage, then we will have what we call the natural bottom. So probably if there is no authority coming in to do anything at all, this uh, natural bottom will appear maybe one month later. But with the action of the authorities, uh, with all this banning of short selling, you know, strict control on IPO companies, then the investor confidence are brought back quicker than without these actions. And that also means the fluctuation of the market is diminished to a smaller extent. So what are you saying? Uh, do you expect um, the, the stock market to turn to a slide probably in the very near future, even with those uh, measures taken? Well, you know, as a value investor, and um, the, the least, well, the last thing in the market I would do is try to anticipate where the market is going because that's just way too hard. You don't know what's going on there. You know, the market can go this way, it can go that way. We have seen, I still remember back in 2014, 
um, I think in October, the central bank lowered the interest rates and narrowed the name of banks and net interest margin of banks, which is a very bad news for banks, you know, if, if you know the financial statements of banks. Uh, the, the name was narrowed because of the action of the PBOC. Uh, and uh, our bank analyst, I, I was uh, in a securities company back then, and our bank analyst said, okay, this is a bad news for the banks. And then comes the bull market about two weeks later, and the bank price rose by about 100% to 150% in just the three months' time. So you just never know where the market is going. So maybe there's a bull market that's following, maybe there's a buyer market, or maybe that's a market that's fluctuating. Um, the thing that uh, people like me, you know, value investors, what we do is that we, we keep on looking at all these companies in the market. You know, currently there are about 6,000 companies in, in Asia, including Beijing, Shanghai, and Shenzhen stock exchanges. And through the Shanghai and Hong Kong connection program, we can buy another 500 companies in Hong Kong market. And there are also like, uh, you know, 4,000 funds, uh, 500 convertible bonds, all these kind of financial instruments. So you have about approximately 10,000 targets that you can pick. And our job is actually reading through all the files of these. It's, it's pretty hard work. I, I personally kind of read like 30 or 40 companies profile every single day. So I read about 10,000 profiles in, in, in about a year. Yeah, but... Um... read through all these files and you pick the best targets they can buy. And this is what we do. And you keep on trading between these targets. Then would you say the measures taken by the authorities came in a timely manner? Or you think it's the market will... At the end of the day, it will go up whatever the authorities do or don't do. Well, the thing is that if you talk about the economic theory, the investment theory is that even if the authority does nothing, and the market will rebound again because you know the the stock. Uh, the stock is actually representing the value behind it. It represents the factories, the shops, the banks, the insurance companies, car factories, all these kind of things. They're worth the money. So even if the authority does nothing, it will rebound finally. But the thing is that we can't let that happen because if you let that happen, you might see the market drop by 80%, you know, in the, in the first place and, and rebound again. Yeah, that's it's what I'm saying. The market it will panic, right? will be panicking. Mm. People will be bad. It will be hurted. And the market will be like, uh, you know, fluctuating all the ways. So that's why we have authorities. They try to stabilize the market. And yes, I mean, this time, I think they are doing a very um, up-to-date work because the market was really uh, panicking, you know, before the Spring Festival. It's actually a panic without a reason because economic growth is like 5.2%. The, the electricity used has been rising about 7%. You really don't have many reasons to, to be panicking looking at all these growth data. But the market was panicking anyway. It's, it's like a kid being panicked <laughs> so so it's actually the job of the authority to step in at this kind of time to stabilize, stabilize the market right and the authority has also said it, they will strengthen its detection ability while strictly cracking down on uh, all types of securities violations and enhancing the effectiveness of the of the punishments dr gone having heard uh, what jaha just said do you think those measures are it's just for boosting market confidence, or do you think it, they are actually urgently needed here? Um, well, certainly I think these measures are definitely beneficial to the long-term health of the market and um, for the market to grow in a more healthy uh, manner, uh, for the market to prosper, definitely we need to clean up these things, and these things have to be cleaned up sooner or later. But I guess what Chao is saying is that the short-term fluctuations or the short-term recovery in this case whether it's a direct result of that or, you know, I think, or it's the only result of that, I think it's inconsequential. And that, that I totally agree. Um, the markets go up and down. Uh, this could be, you know, one of the news that is driving the recovery. But I think from a more fundamental basis, from a more 
long-term basis, um, I think the stock market, the chart has a life of its own, essentially. I mean, it affects market sentiment, right? So um, again, I want to refer to the technical analysis. So the market keeps dropping. You know, he described this as sort of a panic mode. And then you, you, know, you clearly see that when the stock index drops to 2,600 on that very day, there's a huge volume. You know, that means that uh, people are screwing up things. Mm. So uh, technically, there's a there's a rebound. There's a there's a you know I I feel like this is a uh, uh, as I said, there's a bottom formation pattern here. Hopefully, you know, we're going to see a bottom formation pattern here. It hasn't been completed yet. I mean, it's going to drop a little bit and then come back again. Then we see and keep going. Uh, and then we can say that this is a bottom. But this is not, you know, we're saying this is going to be bottom <laughs> in hindsight, right? Uh, and I guess smart people are going to buy things, you know, during the formation of this bottom. But, but in any case, I think, um, you know, I, I don't think we should pay too much attention to these measures. I mean, I think the, I mean, these measures are actually important. I mean, don't, don't, don't interpret me wrong. But I think these measures are really important in the sense of a long-term health for the market. We need an efficient market. We need a uh, transparent market. We need a, um, a fair market. Mm. Uh, and certainly these things to clean up the, you know, the corruption that we have seen being reported uh, will be conducive to uh, to, to, to uh, the objective in that direction. So that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. It's like a, a patient or a cancer patient. Um, you have to cure uh, the symptoms right at first and before um, you know the, the patient can recover. So to John, so in, in the long term view, what do you expect to see from the authorities to either to to boost the market or to restore the further restore, I should say, investor confidence. What I hope to see is a continuation of the processes. We, I, I think there's two stages which have taken place already. I hope a third one will. Let's what, what they were. Firstly, in, in, due to the effects of the lockdowns, um, China's economy was depressed and consumption was depressed. So the first goal which the authorities set was to recover consumption. That's been rather successful. 2023, as I say, retail sales went up 7.2%. That's above the rate of GDP growth. So there's been a strong recovery in consumption. But consumption doesn't translate through into profits. What determines share prices is, isn't what is the general, whether the economy is growing or not. It's what is the profitability in the economy. Mm. So I think the second stage is the confidence measures. I don't think it's the technicalities of them. The technicalities can be important. The most important thing is that people have cottoned on that the authorities think that this is a significant problem. That is, it's, we're not going to do, the question of consumption is not, not going to be enough to deal with the situation. We're going to have to look at, the question of share prices. That's led to, or one of the things, the other is weak private investment, but the two are interrelated. And therefore, this creates confidence. Oh, okay, this is identified as a problem. They're going to pay some attention to it. The third question, however, is that this situation cannot be changed unless there is an increase in the profitability of the companies. And there is some indication of that. I, I've written articles, and I know other people have written articles, for example, calling for reduction in interest rates. That is a measure. It's not a the most powerful measure. The most important thing is that it's determined by the relationship between um, company's revenue and a company's costs. If you keep pushing wages up faster than the rate of GDP, you can't put profits up. And all this stuff about consumption has been very confused because it's been calling for very, very big wage increases, etc. And by themselves, it will put pressure on the profitability of companies. So what I hope will happen is step one has been taken, consumption's recovered. Step two has been taken, which is that when we've identified that this, there are still problems remaining in this situation, although China's economies grew more than twice as much as the US. So we, I want to stress we've got to put all this in context. There's a whole lot of nonsense appearing in the US media at the present time. China's economy grew by 5.2% in 
and US economy grew by 2.5% last year. And for some reason, they claim that China's got the problem. This is ridiculous. But let's leave that on one side. Okay. But it's the profitability question. That is the only thing that will produce a sustained and long-term increase in share prices. In the US at the present time, the, the increase in share prices is very logical which is that been during the pandemic, there was a huge increase in profitability because there was a big cut in, in consumption in, in the US. Profits went up greatly and therefore the share market's gone up. There's nothing very surprising about this. It, it creates political problems. Biden's incredibly unpopular because re real wages are below the level they were uh, when he was elected, but that's his political problem. That's not the share prices problem. To turn around the situation in the stock market, the problem of the profitability of companies has got to be addressed, and that's what's got to be the discussion, and that needs to be the third stage of the recovery. The Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Right, I, I totally agree. Profitability is... I think the ultimate uh, goal of the authorities when they try to solve this problem. But what they are doing, I don't know if it's technical um, measure or something else, but they are targeting this issue from the perspective of improving the, the quality of the listed um, companies like Jiahe or Dr. Gong uh, mentioned. I don't know if you are familiar with the Chinese stock market. The companies applying for IPOs, they have to uh, submit some materials, right? I think Jack explained this, or, or Dr. Gong explained this. But in a considerable number of cases, there comes with, uh, you know, um, fraudulent, I should say, materials or files when they submit their application. And um, if they are not discovered, they can list their companies on the you know stock market like Dr. Gong just said you know taking cash from the stock market like use it as an ATM machine if the authorities uh, find out that there is something tricky in their in the materials just ask them to make some corrections and then they can apply again it's quite different from the, the practices i think in the US or the UK you know sometimes criminal charges are, are should be filed against those people responsible. I can recall um, many financial experts, including uh, the renowned scholar, um, Professor Wu Xiaoqiu, I think it's John's colleague at Renmin University, suggesting on various occasions, harsher punishments like uh, criminal charges or, or lifetime bans instead of administrative penalties or fines that should be taken against those responsible for fraudulent listings. I think this time, uh, the authorities now, they are coming up with more stringent rules or regulations in this regard. And I uh, think that actually helps boost investor confidence quite massively, um, in my opinion. I'm not an expert. I'm not a professional investor myself either. But I can sense the positive feelings on the market and the boosted investor confidence here. So, John, I'm not sure if you... Uh, understand what I've just said, or ha have I made myself clear enough for you to understand the situation? So how important do you think such kind of measures are for the market now? I understand perfectly well what you're saying. Right. Such measures are necessary and important. They, You might say, to use the terminology, they're a necessary condition, but they're not a sufficient condition. Right. There will not be a sustained rise in the stock market. There's no reason why until profitability increases, because what a share price is, is a share price is a reflection of uh, profits. 
And if you if the profit's going down, there is no reason why the share prices should go up. And if we look at industrial companies last year, no matter how you measure it, profitability went down. I would expect the share price to go down, therefore. Not merely I would, but most elementary economic theory would say that, therefore, the share price should go down. And the share price did go down. And it, they've taken measures to restore the situation. They've got some confidence because they're showing that they're concerned with the problem. They can weed out various crooks and such, which I'm all in favour of doing. But there's no reason you should expect a sustained rise in the share price until the profitability situation improves. And that's the condition. That's the issue there, which, which has got to be discussed. It's just this is the most powerful thing. This is the only thing which is a sufficient condition. Mm. Right. Then what's, uh, you know, most urgently needed to sustain the stability on the market? Uh, maybe to all of you, John. Yeah, the, 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 the short term measures and long term measures. The short term measures which can be taken is to reduce interest rates, which will increase the improve the costs of the company. The second one is you can, can consider some tax reductions that will have a short effect on the long short term economy. The only long term thing, however, is to end this situation whereby wages are growing more rapidly than GDP, because that necessarily puts a pressure on profitability. The wages should be drawn growing roughly in line with GDP, not faster. But that means clearing up all this confusion about consumption. Because if you're trying to, what you're trying to do is boost the share of consumption in the economy, you will put profit, you'll put pressure on shares. So that's the long-term thing. So there are short-term measures which can be taken, but the only fundamental way to deal with it is to keep over a longer time is to sort out all this confusion about consumption and get focused on the question of increasing the profitability of Right. To Dr. Gong, the same question. Long-term and short-term, the most urgently needed uh, measures that you would expect the, the authorities to introduce? I think in the short run, you know, we're really talking about these sort of technical regulatory measures, you know, to, to essentially, you know, policies and measures associated with uh, mechanism design, right? You know, it's the trading mechanism, the institutional aspect of things, just to tighten up regulation, to root out unscrupulous activities, things of that nature. And I think these are things that... Uh, the regulatory authority they can do in the short run. But over the long run, you know, we already talk about the things John has been talking about. I mean, these are sort of macro policies that mm. are conducive to economic growth, that are conducive to uh, increasing corporate earnings. That's um, obvious. And, um, um, yeah, but but that, you know those things cannot. I don't think it's going to happen overnight. I mean, it's uh, you know it's going to take some time for the economy to really come back in a strong way, and you know which then reflected to companies' earning levels. And it, this is going to be some time. So you know my expectation for the rest of the, of this year is that we're probably going to see some moderate increase uh, in the um, uh, Shanghai Stock Index. It's not going to be a whole lot, in my view. I think fundamentally the I keep mentioning you know this narrative related. To to uh, the China's economy, uh, corporate China, and investment in China, this narrative has to has to turn around, and and I don't see it happening r- right now. And I how think, uh, it, it, it's really an uphill battle. Uh, I think uh, how, media battle. It's it's more than just media battle. I think uh, you know companies have to deliver solid earnings, right? Uh, you know, it's um, you know show people investors will say you know show me the money, right? So uh, the corporate China needs to show the money at the table, you know. Quarter after quarter, um, earnings are increasing, solid earnings, right? People are spending money, consumption is going up, and investment is going up, and all these things. Uh, these are solid actions, the solid statistics uh, that can convince uh, investors to change their mind. You're saying we need numbers to support that. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Then do, do you expect good numbers coming out of, um, you know, in, in the months to come? 
Uh, not even a month, come on. <laughs> it's going to take some time. Um, I, I think we'd be very lucky if uh, you know we, we we do very well for the rest of the year. And, and, and to be honest, to be honest with you, I think uh, you know five percent growth uh, for twenty twenty four is a is a fairly decent achievement in my view. Uh, maybe a little bit more, um, but but that's that's pretty much I would expect what's going to happen to the Chinese economy. Uh, and if if we buy into that overall assessment, I think the stock market is not going to see a spectacular rise in my view. It's probably going to be sort of following up and uh, uh, sort of uh, maybe a little bit increase between 3,000, 3,500 points. And I'll be happy to see the market to reach 3,500 points by the end of this year. Mm, I don't think the authorities are pursuing some um, sharp increase uh, in the coming months. Their target is to maintain a sustainable growth also for the stock market, right? Um, Jiahe, as an you know, stock investor, what do you hope to see from the authorities? Well, there are really many things that the uh, you know the, the, the security uh, regulatory committee could actually do. There, there are too many things I can't, I can't name them all here. You, you have like uh, fifty things that you can do. The most important one ones. Most, yeah, I think so. One of the things. Well, I can't say it's the most important, but what's jumping out of my 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 head is that we really have to bring more institutional investors in mainland markets. Currently, if you look at the trading value conducted by different types of investors, not by the money they hold, but the trading value that they make, is that currently about 70% to 80% of the trading value in Asia market is still conducted by individual investors. Um, and if you check out the individual investors, you talk to them and you say, why do you buy this company? Uh, why do you think this company is going to bring you money? Have you really read all the financial statements, income statements, the cash flow statement? Um, how do you understand the business? You get very bad answers. I, I tried that many Times is it's very bad answers you get. They don't know what the businesses are buying. They don't know the financial details. So so that means if you look at the overall group of indi- individual investors, they are pretty weak in front of the institutional investors, in front of the foreign investors. Currently, you have a lot of foreign investors coming into investing in China. The Shanghai Shenzhen Hong Kong Connection Program is very easy for international capital to come in. So in order to for local investors to make money, that's very important that we have more institutional investors, especially the value-based institutional investors, rather than individual investors. I think most of the individual investors who don't have a very good sense of business, uh, you know, financial statements, accounting, all these kind of things, they should buy funds. They should keep on buying funds. And we have to make sure the fund providers are professional enough as well, which is very important that if you have bad funds, then, then that's not a good idea anyway. So you need good funds. Uh, and the good funds are coming out of two things. The first is that these fund managers really, they really have to be professional enough. That's one thing. The second is that their own interests have to be combined together with the fund holders, which means if you have a fund manager who is putting like 80% of his personal wealth in his own fund, then that's something I call a responsible fund. Okay. So he will treat his fund as good as his own money because his own money is actually in the fund. So that's very important thing. We have to build very professional and trustworthy institutional investors. You're calling for more professional uh, institutional investors, but to the um, regulators, probably it's, I shouldn't say all of them, some of them, those professional institutional investors that should need more stringent um, supervision in their eyes. Um, Then, you know, what's your evaluation of the current stock market situation, then we know there's this Hong Kong-based financial services group, Gavagol, which said a few weeks ago, quote-unquote, the Chinese stock market is undervalued against the cash, Chinese bonds, gold, and other world stock markets, and China's battered equity market now 
offers the best value in the world. Jahe, do you see it the same way? I'm actually agreeing with this view that if you look through all the evaluation around the world, you can see Chinese companies, especially the companies in in the Hong Kong market, is actually really really cheap. You see the valuation, well, currently uh, a typical low valuation in Chinese market is like a five times PE ratio, you know, zero point five or. 0.4 times PB ratio, and you have a dividend yield of, of maybe 7 to 8%. And these are really trustworthy companies, very large state-owned enterprises in very promising industries. So this is amazing valuation. It's, it's not only me or this Hong Kong institution that has been uh, viewing this way. I, I just read a, an interview with Charlie Munger, the legendary investor who, who just passed away last year. And this interview was conducted with him uh, at the end of 2022. Um, and the Chinese monger just said, okay, Chinese companies are amazing. They are, they are stable and they are at an extremely low valuation right now. And I think he, he says you should be investing in that. So, so Chinese monger has made a, you know, a extraordinary investment record with Warren Buffett in the past many decades. And his comments on Chinese stocks is really something that, that rings a bell, you know. Yeah, I think Charlie's had been, can I say, always upbeat about um, China's market. Um, then to John, what's your take here? I know you're not a, a trader on the market, but do you do believe um, Chinese um, equity market offers the best value in the world? Depends what the policies of the government are. The Chinese economy is continuing to grow fast. There's no reason why it should not continue to go grow about 5% a year maybe slightly above, maybe slightly below. Under those conditions, there is plenty of room to create a big increase in income for companies. The problem is that you've got to get rid of this idea that the core to the thing is to increase consumption. Because no matter if the economy grows at 5%, but you try to push up wages by 7%, the profitability of companies will fall. If, on the contrary, the economy grows at uh, 5% and wages go up by 4%, then the increase in profitability will go up. Now, incidentally, over the long run, if you don't have the investment that comes in, the consumption will go up more slowly. You can't maintain for any long period of time a situation in which consumption is rising more rapidly than GDP. You can in a short period of time. You could in 2023, and I'm in favour of it, because in 2022, consumption was terribly compressed by the effect of the COVID lockdowns. And I'm 1,000% in favour of a short-term recovery consumption under those circumstances. Um, and when we had, for example, the Iraq war in Britain, and we had a terrible problem of consumption because nobody was visiting the city because they were scared to fly, one of the campaigns which we launched, which I was personally in charge of, was a consumption recovery program. I'm all in favour of that in the short term. But in the long term, and now, and the long term, now we've sort of come to the medium long term, the consumption recovery in 2023 has basically got consumption back into where it should be. The key issue in 2024, 2025, 2026 is going to be to have to restore the profitability of the companies, which was squeezed in 2023. If the government policy is concentrated on ensuring the recovery of company profitability in these years, then the share market will recover a lot. If the confusion about the key thing is to boost consumption continues, then the share market won't recover because the profitability won't recover. So therefore, I can't give an answer. I know what I want the government to do. I've seen the Chinese government deal very, very well with the economy for many, many, many years. I'm a huge admirer of what the economy has done. But they've got that. It's got to be dealt with the policy. The, the, the possibility to recover is very good. Quickly recover. I mean, quickly. I mean, you know, one to two years is what I mean by quickly. 
But it depends very, very much on government policy. We're at that one of those points in time where you've got critical choices will have to be taken. Right. It's kind of a like a dilemma for, for the authorities. It's hard to choose. And to Dr. Uh, Gong, yes, you just mentioned that you expect the market to, or the benchmark, the Shanghai Composite Index, to to hit somewhere between 3,000 and 3,500. And then do, do you expect the market to go steadily up and uh, what would be your suggestions for investors? What I'm saying is that the uh, stock market always goes up. Uh, it, you know, very f- in rare cases that uh, the market's not going to go up. Over the long run, um, you know, betting on um, equity is always a good idea. Uh, so, so I think, um, you know, over the next few years, I would expect the market to steadily come back, uh, steadily climb up. But, you know, I, I, I have moderate expectations for the, for the rest of this year. Uh, as I said, I would be happy to see the market to reach 3,500, maybe close to 4,000. I don't know. I mean, somewhere around that range would be, you know, I'd be very happy. Right. The, do you have any suggestions for investors? Um, happy investing, you know, it's a, it, we've been talking about this, <laughs> right. that uh, the China stock market is a very good buy, variation is low, uh, but you know, in any market that are winners and losers, just be very careful about selecting the good stocks and stick with them. Um, and uh, you know, at this level of variation, it should be a, a very good uh, long-term play. Right. At Jiahe, your suggestions for investors? Well, my suggestion for investors would be to try to follow the paths of embedded investment. If you look at, at all the you know, techniques of the investment world, you, you have many ways. People follow the trend, people uh, buy on the news and the sort of things. You know, uh, there is value investment, there is quantitative trading, there is arbitraging and all these kind of things. But it has been proved by history that value investing is probably the most reliable and the most profitable investment method among all. So, so you can see the most legendary investor, you know, Warren Buffett, Lynch, they have all been value investors. So I would say for investors in China, just follow the value, the path of value investment is probably the easiest and the most stable and it's probably the most profitable. Right. Uh, John, do you have anything to say to investors there? Well, my, my thing is that China's economy, unless big mistakes are made, will continue to be the fastest growing major economy in the world. That creates the possibility of very strong profitability. There is a problem which has been pervaded in the Western press, which is the, the big thing that should be done in China is to increase the percentage of the economy which goes into consumption. If that does, it'll reduce profits. And therefore, that's a, that's a bad thing. So the most important thing to do at the moment is to get rid of all this confusion. And uh, if we can get rid of the confusion uh, on this question, and the, the government concentrates on the question of increasing company profitability, then I would expect China's stock market to be recovering uh, really rather quickly because the economy is going to continue to grow quickly. So that, that's what you've got to what you've got to look at. The refocusing of economic policy on this question of improving profitability and getting rid of all this confused nonsense about what has got to be done is to greatly increase the share of consumption in the economy, which will put downward pressure on profits. So follow that discussion carefully would be my advice to potential investors. Right, fair enough. And on that note, we've come to the end of our chat. Many thanks to John Ross, Senior Fellow at the Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies, Renmin University of China, Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer of Novem RK Technologies, and Dr. Zhang Gong, Professor of Economics, University of International Business and Economics, for sharing your experiences and insightful views with us. The show is available on all major podcast platforms. If you have anything to say about the topic of the show, please email radio at cgtn.com. I'm Tuyun. Thank you for listening. We'll have more chat next week. Thank you.